Her name is Jess. And his name is Bill. She's my 14-year-old daughter. And he's my 48-year-old father. On some things we agree. And some things we do not. Together, we are Jessabelle, and this is Death by Multimedia. Hi there, and welcome to Jessabelle. Episode 2. Morning, Jess. Hello. How are you going? Pretty good, actually. Have you recovered from the embarrassment of last week's program? Just. Just? Yeah. So you didn't think it went too well? Uh, it, it was good, yes. <laughs> but can we improve on it? Yes, definitely. Right, well, let's see how we go then. Um, so you spent the week doing all the usual crap, TV, movies, music, and YouTube? Yes. <laughs> was it exciting? It, yeah, it was it was exciting. Did yes. you find new stuff? Um, not with the TV section of it, but the rest of it definitely yes. Right. Oh well, we may as well just get straight into it with. There's something on the TV. Okay, so we start off with TV this week, and Jess, lead the way. What's been big with you for the last seven days on TV? Um, well, I haven't been watching a lot of TV this week, but. Um, I did remember that I watched a show a little while ago, uh, called The Seven Deadly Sins. It is an anime on Netflix, and it's great. Really? Yes. The Seven Deadly Sins. And what are the Seven Deadly Sins, Jess? Um, they are a group of powerful knights who protected the region of Britannia. I think that's how you pronounce it. I have no idea. Um, and they protected the area from evil, I guess. And so... Um, they were all good people, and they had amazing powers, and um, someone got jealous of them and decided to frame them for uh, trying to take over the kingdom and were then banished from the kingdom, and everyone didn't hear of them for like 10 years, and 10 years later, the kingdom is going into a holy war, which could destroy the world as we know it. So, a princess from that kingdom, trying to save her family and her kingdom, seeks out the seven deadly sins. And um, the whole story of it is finding every single one of the seven deadly sins, and then saving um, the kingdom or the world from the holy war. Right. So, are the seven deadly sins the seven deadly sins that we know from the Bible? Yes. They are. So, gluttony, Mm -hmm. greed. Yep. I don't know what the others are. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't suffer from any sins. So, okay, so we're finding the seven and they're coming together to save the world. Yes. Right, so it's not like the Magnificent Seven? No. No, not the Magnificent Seven. Right, okay. All right, so this show was a one-off, was it, or was it a series? Or um, It was a series. Um, It has two seasons. One of them is, like, long. It has 20-something episodes. And the second one has three or four, just like, sort of like an epilogue to it. Okay. And uh, a typical Japanese anime, was it? Yes. Right. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, so what did you rate that out of five for that series? What would you give it? Um, I'd probably give it a, a 3.5 out of five mm-hmm. because um, 
it sort of went over the same topics sometimes, and um, like halfway through episodes, it'd take a little longer sometimes to like get through to the point. So it it kept my attention because I wanted to see what happened at the end. Right. But during episodes, it got a bit slow. Okay. All right. So three point five out of five for that. My show this week, I came across a documentary. Um, how much do you know about the wonderful world of wrestling, Jessica? Not a lot. No? Do you know any wrestlers at all? No. No? Not even John Cena? Oh, well, that's because he's a meme, so ah, yes. so a meme, not a wrestler. Uh, right. No, not, not currently. Right. <laughs> well, in the great days of wrestling, and I'm talking about in the 80s and 90s, there was one particular wrestler who was Jake the Snake Roberts. And his big thing was he was enormous and he'd come out, but he always have a boa constrictor with him. And at the when he used to beat his opponent, he would take this snake out of his bag and lay it on his opponent on the ground. Fantastic for crowds. For watching it, it was just fantastic. Anyway, he'd come on hard times in the last 20 years. Um, he's been... Uh, alcohol addicted and drugs and different things like that but I came across a documentary this week called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake and it was absolutely fascinating he uh it came to pass that he was reached out to by a fellow wrestler who was Diamond Dallas Page who had started up a rehabilitation place for mainly for old ex-wrestlers and wanted to get them back into shape after their careers had finished. So he reached out to Jake, who had been his mentor when he'd been a wrestler. And at the same time, he decided, well, why don't we document this and see where we go? So we had the camera and the director there with him. And this took place over about a three-year period. And it documented the, the struggles that he had in overcoming his addictions and being brought back into the fold of the World Wrestling Federation, which is now World Wrestling Entertainment, because they will refuse to acknowledge anyone who is using drugs or alcohol, basically. And it tells the great story of him being able to overcome his addictions uh, and find his place in the world again with his family, to the point that he was then uh, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, which he deserved to be as a wrestler, as an old wrestler, he deserved. And it was just, it goes for an hour and a half, and it was just absolutely fascinating. And there was no holds barred, it showed everything, it showed his relapses, it showed uh, his emotional states. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, when I watched the wrestling back in the 90s, Diamond Dallas Page, as a wrestler, I didn't like it. At all, had no love for him at all as a wrestler. Whether he's a, whether he's a bad guy or a good guy, I just didn't like him. But my respect for him has grown enormously after watching that. For what he is doing and what he has done for for Jake and for other wrestlers, I just think is absolutely fantastic. So anyone, you don't have to watch the wrestling to enjoy it. It's um, it's well worth watching for the for the journey and. I think it's it's a heartwarming tale. It's, it's good to see someone who was so down and out come back at the end and and be uh, find that respect again that he'd lost. So for anyone on Netflix who wants who's interested in that, the resurrection of Jake the Snake, 
I, as a documentary, I, I give that four and a half out of five. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. That's great. Mm. So there you go. That's our little talk on TV this week. Who knows what we'll be talking about next week. <laughs> anyway, moving on, let's move on to... Crap Movies That Billy's Showing Jess! Alrighty, so uh, this week's movie, after last week we watched Halloween, which was co-written and directed by a man called John Carpenter. This week we're doing The Thing, which was also directed by John Carpenter, based on a book back in the 1950s. It stars the one and only Kurt Russell, and a great ensemble cast of faces that you'll know, probably but not necessarily the names, which is uh, uh, men like Donald Moffat, uh, Wilford Brimley, uh, terrific actors, and the story is that we're set in Antarctica, at a, a base in Antarctica, and a dog arrives on the scene, and it's been followed by another uh, party who have got their base on, on the Antarctica as well, and they're trying to kill the dog and instead blow themselves up. And then some strange things start happening. Jessica. Yes. What did you think of The Thing? I thought it was amazing. <laughs> um, it was the first movie I've watched to actually like make my legs physically shake. <laughs> <laughs> shaking in fear or shaking anticipation or well, a bit of both because <laughs> um obviously like you knew that something was going to happen the whole time but you didn't know when and it, like it's just like alien but i found this one a little more uh creepy because it could happen like it's more realistic than alien i guess um I don't know. I, I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you said at the time, too, that um, as we, we spoke about last week with, with Halloween, about the, the special effects that were non-existent in those days. Yeah. Again, for The Thing, which was made uh, in 1982, there's a certain amount of uh, special effects that were just not available, and yet everything that they did uh, was just amazing and probably had to be done in one take, as you were saying. Yeah, because, like, they had um, the bodies of the people who had been in infected, I guess, and they had to, like, open it up and look at it. And so you can imagine just, like, you'd have to build these things and know exactly what you had to do um, in one take because otherwise you'd have to close it all up and, like, build it all again because it would be wrecked. Absolutely. So... We move through, and obviously, um, for people who haven't seen the film, it makes it hard not to give away the uh, the story or the ending. So, um, hard cheese if you have, because we're going to anyway. Um, <laughs> obviously, as one person was infected, and it was the dogs that we first saw, and then it came to pass that one by one, everyone was wondering who was going to be infected. Did you? ever at any stage work out who was actually being infected and who wasn't? Not really. I kept thinking it was a certain guy and then it wasn't. But they, they all seemed pretty suspicious, I reckon. I just thought it was it was well written and acted in that way, in that it was it's sometimes you thought it was too obvious that it was this person because they were protesting too much, which is perhaps correct, but as each person came along to be sort of found to be infected, 
you sort of thought, oh, wow, really? Then? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we, we, we discover that uh, an alien ship has landed, which we see in the first scene anyway, has landed in Antarctica, and uh, this other mob had found it and dug it up, and he'd been defrosted, and or it had been defrosted. We get to the end, and we have two characters sitting side by side. One, Kurt Russell, obviously the hero who couldn't possibly be infected because he's the hero. And we have old mate who comes up who's disappeared for all of the blowing up of the mm. the uh, uh, buildings and whatever and sits down next to him. The ending is left ambiguous. What do you think happens at the end? What do you think happens from that final scene where they're there sitting there sharing a bottle and what's going to happen next? There's definitely a lot of things that could have happened considering the way it was set up. So, like, one of them could have been infected and we didn't know. Uh, there could be... Maybe the explosions didn't work on the people who were infected, so they're back. Stuff like that. Like, pretty much anything could have happened. Mm. I, I like the way that they left it that way in that... You don't know for sure, I mean, uh, Kurt Russell's character could have been infected, but being the hero, obviously not. <laughs> and then his mate who turns up, obviously he's suspicious that he's been infected, and he's suspicious of Kurt Russell that he's been infected, so they're both sitting there looking at each other thinking, okay, what's going to happen now? Um, I like the way that it was left. There was no definitive answer given. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so what would you give that film... Out of five. Four point five out of five. Ooh, four point five. It was it was great. I I think it's one of the greats of the genre and never ever get sick of watching it. And so pretty much all the movies I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give five anyway, because that's the reason <laughs> I'm giving these movies to you. So it's probably useless asking for my opinion, but it really is. It's one of the great it's I don't know that it's a horror, it's a thriller. Um, is, and yes. um, the effects, you know, they, they give you the scares and whatever. They're not horror scares. They're just, they're, they're thrilling scares. And I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's good. Well, now that we've done that, we can move on to the next thing, which is, let me see. Can you remind me, please, kids? Album review switcheroo! Ah, yes, that's right. Album reviews. All righty. So, as we've said before, Jesse and I choose an album each. Give it to the other person and see how much they absolutely hate their taste in music. <laughs> so this week, Jessica, you have given me... Blue Neighbourhood by Troy Sivan. Yes, Troy Sivan. An Australian, apparently. Heck yes. Uh, only one album released, apparently, from what I've looked up. Yes. And this was released at the end of 2015. Yes, it's all very exciting. I'm just going to move this while I'm going. So look... <laughs> First thing I noticed about this album was that his parents can't spell Troy. <laughs> because T-R-O-Y-E is not Troy. I'm sorry. So I've got a bit of a problem with that. So it didn't get off to a good start. <laughs> so I started by trying to work out how to classify the music on the album. On several sites that I looked up, it's called Dream Pop. Now... I guess that was the best description I could find for it because it's so quiet compared to rock music. Uh, it's less energetic than pop music. The electronica side 
is again a heavy influence, but the overall whole album is based around his vocals and his harmonies. Would I be correct in that? Yes. Right. In essence, I don't know if this is what happened, but it basically sounds like he set up a drum machine and played the synth himself and recorded it all at home. Um, it doesn't sound any more technical than that, which is not to say that it can't be effective, but I feel it's limiting to the point that the background to me sounds pretty much the same through the whole album. Fair or unfair? Ah, that's pretty fair. <laughs> and I... I didn't know, I must admit, that whether these songs had been played on the radio or not until I asked one of my co-workers who said she had heard at least one song on the radio <laughs> and was recognising that song when I was playing it at work during the week. So I thought, well, okay. It just doesn't seem like anything on the radio to me is a radio-friendly song. Um, it's aimed at a very specific market and I didn't think that commercial radio would consider it worthy of uh, <laughs> being played. Obviously, I'm wrong, um, because it has been played on commercial radio, so... Um, let me say this. There are words that I use to describe this kind of music, uh, and none of them are very complimentary. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that fans of this album would call beautiful, emotionally-filled vocals... I call it dreary, strung-out, boring vocals. <laughs> I'm not saying that you can't sing... I can't find where the hook is. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, none of this is being aimed at dinosaurs like me. Uh, the music that I like has energy and passion in one form or another. It doesn't have to be aggressive necessarily, but it has to feel like the energy is coming through and not just singing airily and breezily for the sake of it. For me, that's what Troy Savan does on this album. <laughs> so unlike last week, I'm unable to come up with a favourite song on the album. Um, unlike last week, this album, listening to this album was a bit of a punish. I, uh, I gave it a go. I listened to it uh, twice on one day and twice on the next day. And I got through once the next day after that. And then I got halfway through it on the fourth day. And I honestly said, you know what? I've done my bit. <laughs> And I turned it off. And I did listen to it again this morning to make sure that I had it in my head for, for recording this. But really, um, it's probably just my old ears or maybe I'm missing something, but I, I can't see anything fabulous about it at all, <laughs> which might be unfair. Um, again, I don't want to suggest that he can't sing. Or that his music isn't fine for what he's doing. But it's not even close to being what I like. And I think I'm being extraordinarily generous when I say that I would give this album one out of five. Yay! What have I missed? <laughs> what have I missed, Jess? What, what, what is it about this album? Honestly, I just find it very calming to listen to. Because there's like not a lot going on. Mm. And it's sort of... Like, softer than a lot of the stuff uh, I listen to. And there's not as many instruments, I guess. I just find it uh, calming. Yep. I understand that because, again, um, a certain mother of yours and a wife of mine listens to albums like that as well. And that's exactly what it reminded me of. Uh, these albums that, that I heard probably 15 years ago 
that she would put on and I'd come home and I'd think, what the hell is going on here? It's just... <laughs> and then she'd say, oh, yeah, it's this album here, which is Calm Moods of the What's the Name Thingy Me What's or whatever it was. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's just... I'm, I'm glad you made me listen to it. Oh, don't get me wrong. Uh, at least I know who Troy Savan is now and I know he can't spell his name. Uh, and I know that he's an Australian and I know that he had has had hits in America with a couple of the songs on this album. So... I'm glad I listened to it, um, but that's uh, I don't ever need to listen to it again. But <laughs> if you were rating the album for you, you what 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 do, what do you give it? I don't know, cause like it's not a thing I would listen to all the time. Mm-hmm. But I guess mostly when uh, when I just can't listen to any of the other stuff I usually listen to, it's a thing I listen to. So I guess probably like a three point five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Very good. Well, there you go. Blue Neighbourhood, Troy Zavan. <laughs> Don't go out there. <laughs> well, Jess, what did I give you this week? You gave me Stay Hungry by Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister. 1984, Twisted Sister's third album. Um, I'm sure that you recognise some of the songs on it from having to listen to my crap for some time. Yes, yes I did. Um, it's I, I recognised We're Not Gonna Take It and I Want to Rock mm-hmm. from when uh, I was little and I was sitting on your knee and you'd play it like on the computer. Yes. All of the music videos. <laughs> yes. Well, and the music videos are starring attractions for those two songs. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, whenever I listen to those songs and, like, when you have it on your playlist and stuff, you, in the music videos, you hear, like, the, all of the talking in the music videos, and I just hear that every time I listen to the songs. <laughs> yes, it's good. So what did you think of the uh, the rest of the album overall? Well, um, I noticed that compared to the last album you gave me, there was a lot more... Um, distinctive guitar because in the last one I guess the guitar was just like a lot of strings played at the same time whereas this one it was like one or two notes at a time mm-hmm. uh, and I could make it out a lot better <laughs> than <laughs> yes. the last one certainly a straight more more straightforward rock album hard rock yes. album um, and it, it's again it's not something I would always listen to um <laughs> But uh, I did enjoy listening to it mm-hmm. because I did recognise, like, the voices and the sort of, uh, the music in it. Yep. So, uh, if I was going to rate it, it would, it would be a three out of five. Three out of five. <laughs> did you have any particular favourite songs or just the two songs that you knew best? Just the two songs I knew best. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah that's fair enough. I must admit, with, uh, with this album, it, um, it grew on me over time. When I, when I first got it, which was back when I was <clears throat> a teenager, um, I enjoyed the, the two singles as well. And the other ones I sort of thought, yeah, they're okay. And it wasn't until I, probably three or four years later when I was playing it more often that I picked out the songs. Like the opening track, Stay Hungry to Me, it's one of those songs that if, you, if you're getting ready to go out and play in a grand final in whatever sport you're in, for me, there's two things you do. The first thing is you watch Rocky Three, because <laughs> that's that's the movie to watch. You, you know, you're gonna watch Rocky Three to pump yourself up, and then you're gonna listen to Stay Hungry the song. 
because it's the same thing. It's 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 telling you to to get out there and be an individual, do the best you can do, and whatever, and don't put up with people who are not trying their hardest. So, I think that the rest of the album grew on me over time, and and, and to me, it's it's a classic. It's a classic uh, album, and they were never really able to be probably as highly rated as they could have been. And that's probably a disappointment for them more than anyone else because they would have made more money out of it. But um, at least it all came together on this album. This was the album where they really showed what they had. Yeah. So for me, um, Stay Hungry is a five out of five. Nice. Fairly simple. <laughs> all right, well, we've done that again. Uh, looking forward to hearing what you uh, stump up for me next week, Jess. Should be very, very interesting. <laughs> so let's move on to the next thing, which is... Crap that Jess has been watching on YouTube! Right, so we move into YouTube territory again, and uh, Jessie's going to tell us what's big on YouTube this week. <laughs> so, the stuff I'm bringing up today is something that uh, came up very early in the year, but I've been watching forever, and I've been watching a lot of this week. Rip Vine compilations. Ah... Uh... The old Vine, eh? Yes. Uh, we all used to love Vine when it was around and alive. Yep. It died this year. It, it was sad. <laughs> yes. Rest in peace, Vine. Yes. Um, so, yes, Vine was an app where you could post videos up to about seven seconds of something. Just you doing something. Um, and usually people would make characters out of themselves and play out a random scenario. Um, most of them that are popular do have swearing in them, but it, it's funny anyway. As in gosh and darn and things like that. Definitely, yes. Right, good. <laughs> um, and so I did enjoy how they were just like short comedy things and they, they just make me laugh a lot. And so since Vine died, people have been making a lot of compilations of their favourite Vines and uh, the most popular Vines that will never die, as they say. <laughs> um, so, I've been watching a lot of those this year. Right. And I've discovered a lot of new vines after Vine has died that I really enjoy. And some of, the, some of my favourite people on Vine were Thomas Sanders, who made uh, a lot of like real-life situations funny, Josh Kennedy, who was just completely random, and Mason Chillout, who would take uh, funny videos from the internet and edit them to make them funnier, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, that he um, gave, he gave, like a great job. He gave credit to everyone, but it, they, they were funny, uh, and it was great. And that's about it. That's, that's all it is, So it's if, great. So if we're going to look for this, how are we looking for this up on YouTube? It's pretty simple. You just type in Rip Vine compilations, and you'll get about... Five million of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds excellent. I've been watching more cricket. Heck yeah. On, uh, <laughs> on YouTube this week. Not not much. I know this isn't my segment, but uh, <laughs> we're moving closer and closer to the start of the Ashes, so I've been looking up old uh, cricket matches and reliving the glory of Australia winning and making sure I avoid any ones of where England happened to get actually get up and win, so... <laughs> Yes, that's, that's been my week on YouTube for anyone who cares. Good job, Dad. Thank you, that's great. Okay, <laughs> well, now it must be time for this. The end! 
Alrighty, well that's about all we've got time for on our second week of Jezebel, Death by Multimedia. Thank you once again, Jess, for your marvellous contributions. Once again. Once again. That's a great word. Well, it's, it's, good, it's good that you say that because next week Jessica will be hosting. Jessica will be the main voice you hear. She will be running the show. So we will <laughs> we'll be able to judge just who is the Agung again next week. <laughs> and I'm sure Jessie's going to find a lovely, uh, heavy, thrashy album for me to listen to next week. Is that right? I don't know. Ah. You'll have to see in the next episode. Right, so that means, means no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Alrighty, well, thanks for listening to the three people out there who are doing so, and uh, hopefully next week we'll have more for you. So until then, see ya!